You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about something we actually all really need right now, hopeful books. And we're interviewing a Reading Glasses favorite, Mike Chen. Yay. But first, uh, what are you reading, Bria? Uh, I am listening to... Uh, a book that all of the glassers have said I needed to read for a long time. I am listening to um, uh, Carry On by Rainbow Rowell. Th- that book has been talked about so much on the show by uh, guests and by glassers, but neither of us have ever read it. I know. Well, there's a fucking reason. And now and now I'm reading it, so I'm, I'm educated on it. Um, so, okay, the story of this book is amazing, and this is why it came up, I think, at first on the show, which is the author, Rainbow Rowell, wrote a book called Fangirl. And in the book Fangirl, the main character, which I have not read Fangirl, so people are probably not going to like that, but I have not read it. But the main character is, like, obsessed with this book series um, about Simon Snow. And then Rainbow Rowell went and wrote the book series that was the girl was obsessed with, and that is this book series. So it's a book series within a book, but they wrote, but Rainbow Rowell wrote the actual book series. So... All that being said, you actually don't need to know anything about Fangirl to read this. Um, It is (laughs) really amazing. Such a great Harry Potter dupe. That's the whole thing is that I think that in the book, I don't know, I haven't read Fangirl, but my assumption is that the fan, that the main character is obsessed with like a fairy, a Harry Potter type book. Um, And that's what it sort of is because it's about Simon Snow, who is the chosen one. And he's like the worst chosen one. And it has all these similarities to Harry Potter. Like there's a headmaster who's kind of a shitty headmaster. And there's like a big (laughs) bad who they're trying to fight. Um, And then he has his roommate, Baz. And Baz might be evil, might be a vampire. We don't know. But then all these, it's just so well written and it's so entertaining. And um it's just great. I mean, all the feelings I had when I first read Harry Potter have, like, come back, but it also, like, isn't scared to, like, take jabs at, like, Harry Potter in some ways. Not in, like, an evil way, but in a, like, we all know that Dumbledore was, like, a bad headmaster. And so, like, you know, taking jabs at... Uh, That's really funny. At, 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 you know, and, like, acknowledging, like, the... the um problems with Harry Potter um, or, or, you know, just the things that maybe people didn't like in Harry Potter or have talked about and just kind of like leaning into those. And like, it's crazy because the first book, Carry On, I will, uh, this is a very large recap, by the way, but Carry On starts like in like the third or fourth year of Simon Snow's um, schooling. So he's like, well, last year when we battled the blah, blah, blah. So, and then I was like, oh, am I, am I reading like the third book or something? It's like, no, this is just we all understand this because Harry Potter has become like part of our collective knowledge. So like it, I didn't need to know all that. So it starts with all that information. It's great. Um, it is a queer book. It is a, um, very well-written book. I really enjoy it. There's a queer romance, um, that, that reveals itself. It has a ghost. Uh, it has a mystery. It is great. I really am enjoying this book. I will probably continue with this series because, and it's really a nice listen, uh, because, uh, I'll look up who's who uh, is reading it. But you've been doing so many audiobooks lately. You know what? It's because I'm uh, I gotta clean my house, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm home a lot. So I'm just either walking around my neighborhood listening to audiobooks, or um, or yeah, I'm cleaning my house. Like I'm like, oh, I'll just clean, or like I'm like reorganized some rooms, and I'm like, well, if I'm gonna spend like you know a full day doing this, I should listen to an audiobook. Um, but yeah, what are you reading, Mallory? So I am reading The Opposite of a Hopeful Book. <laughs> it's very weird that I picked this book, uh, or that I'm reading this book as we're recording this episode. It is a nonfiction book uh, that came out very recently. It's called A Demon Haunted Land uh, by Monica Black. And it is uh, a really like impeccably researched book about how in the wake of World War II in Germany, there was this very interesting cultural movement where be- people almost refused to reckon with uh, the history of like what had just happened to their country, like Mm. all the atrocities that uh, the Nazis had done to people. 
Uh, so instead of reckoning with that and realize in like confronting that, uh, this interesting movement began of like people, like a resurgence of belief in the supernatural, like witches and ghosts and demons and the occult. Like people basically were like, oh, well, it wasn't us that did that. It was these evil spirits, these ghosts that did all these bad things. And it's so, I mean, obviously it's very weird to be reading it this week, you know, when you know, we just went through a uh, terrorist attack against our country for, of domestic terrorism. So it's very interesting to see as I'm reading it, I'm thinking a lot about like, okay, well, you know, after Biden is inaugurated and like we t like, you know, overcome all the things that are happening right now. I wonder if a lot of these people who were like completely obsessed with Trump are going to be like, oh no, it wasn't me. I was possessed by an evil racist ghost. <laughs> like it's really, it's so, so, so interesting. I've just been reading it really, really slowly because it's one of those books where I'm like, all right, well, I really need to think about that chapter. Uh, but mm -hmm. if you are someone, um, this might be a good dad book for sure because um, it is uh, World War II related. Uh, nice. If you are somebody who is like really into supernatural things, the occult, this is a really interesting reader. Just like sociology in general, like it's just so um, the author does such a great job of like trying to really get into like how, how this happened and how why people acted this way and reacted this way and um if you watch that really amazing speech by Arnold Schwarzenegger about what it was like for him growing up in the shadow of World War II, uh, this is a great book. To, to, uh, I, it's, it's rare that we ever uh, uh, pair speeches with books, but this is a great book to read if uh, you were really moved by that speech. So that is A Demon Haunted Land by Monica Black. And mine is Carry On by Rainbow Rowell, and the version I'm listening to is narrated by Ewan Morton. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Vivi writes in with a hot book tip. Wow, wow, wow. wow. Hot book tip in the mid to January. <laughs> hot book tip. <laughs> um, I can remember what month it is this comes out. So. Honestly, who can remember what month it is regardless? Um, so Vivi writes in saying, I wanted to write in with a book tip that I don't think has been mentioned before. I have an e-reader and I love the idea of e-books, but I've always struggled to finish them. Usually, usually switching to a physical copy partway through. Hmm. Then on a whim, I switched the setting from page turning to continual scrolling. And for some reason, that changed everything. I think because I'm used to scrolling when I read any other text on a screen, the simulated page turning actually distracted me. Maybe this is super obvious, but I wanted to share it just in case it could be useful. Anyways, my brain recognized scrolling as the way we read on screens, and now I've been sailing through my backlog of ebooks. This is uh, awesome. This is hot really book tip. Yeah, this is really interesting. I have changed mine to that before as well in the past. I actually had a lot of trouble with it because there's something I like about like the page ends, then I flip it. And <laughs> I do the opposite where I'll e I'll be reading a physical book and then I'll go get it on my e-reader because I know I can finish it faster on my e-reader. Uh, but that is interesting and I wonder if that works for other people who want the scrolling system. I love yeah, I love that tip. That's awesome. Uh, Devin wrote in with a book tech recommendation. I have been listening to audiobooks and podcasts since I started running about five years ago and have gone through many pairs of headphones since then. Often the plugs get worn out on the old uh, one-eighth audio plugs and Bluetooth ones either get weak or lost. Let me tell you, I've lost a lot. Um, of course, all in-ear or over-ear style can really impair, you, impair your hearing, and it does get scary when a dog or cat or a person surprises you. <laughs> the best headphones I have found for running are bone conduction headphones, like Aftershocks brands. The Bone conduction? Yeah. What? Future is here. Uh, the audio is clear <laughs> enough to hear. They stay fixed in place, with even with a lot of motion, and they leave your ear canals completely open so you don't have to drive the volume very high so you can still avoid obstacles. What? Bone conduction? Yeah. I, I am so intrigued. And as soon as we're done recording this episode, I'm going to go look these up because I have been, obviously I haven't been able to go to the gym in almost a year. So I started running again. I used to run when I lived in Brooklyn years ago. Uh, and now I've been running again and using my Bluetooth headphones. Although I will say, I don't know how people listen to audiobooks when they run. Like when I work out, I need, I want to pretend that I'm in the montage scene of a movie. Yeah. Like <laughs> I need the Rocky soundtrack playing behind me when I, when I run. I can't imagine just like listening to somebody tell me a story. 
I'm always very impressed. I will say I, I have this headphone problem too where I will be walking around all of a sudden there's like someone next to me because I have my headphones up so loud. And the other day I was walking and I heard something and I was like, that's weird. There's like a hammer. I hear a hammer somewhere and I could hear it like, you know, underneath my headphones. But then it was like kind of getting louder and I was like, what is that? And finally I took my headphones out. You know, it was a woman with really loud clogs, like walking like right behind <laughs> me. And I turned around in like this like ah, kind of way because it was like she was literally She's just like tap dancing behind she you. She just had really loud shoes on, but they were so loud I could hear them underneath my my headphones. That's hilarious. And I'm sure I looked at her like and I was like, I'm so sorry. I thought you were a hammer. And she she thought that was funny. It was very weird. Anyway. I guarantee you she gets that all the time. Is if you have really loud shoes. I cannot believe how loud those shoes were. Anyway. Hilarious. Uh, Kelsey wrote in with a wheelhouse, which is convoluted plot twists, dogs with plot shielding. I don't know what that means. I don't either. But Does I'm that mean intrigued. plot shielding? Like they are saving people? I have no idea. Uh, digging into the minutia of magic rules, uh, a sassy stream of consciousness narrator, mm-hmm. people bad at hiding secrets, apocalyptic world building, and a dramatic teen love triangle. Love it. So you can always email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. So before we talk about hopeful books, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Bright Sellers. Glassers, oh my God, I am so excited about this sponsor this week. Bright Sellers is the wine subscription service that helps you find wines that you love while making wine more accessible to everyone. Whether you're a new wine drinker or someone who has been drinking wine for years, Bright Sellers' seven-question quiz will match you with unique wines based on your taste profile. So listeners of the show know that I am huge booze nerd. I love cocktails. I love beer. I love wine. Uh, but after writing an entire book about the history of women drinking, I still don't actually know that much about wine about drinking it. I know the history of it, but I don't know, didn't know that much about it. So I got really, really excited when I took the Bright Sellers quiz because I've always been, you know, I I, I love the history of wine. I love drinking it. Um, But I didn't know, the most I knew about wine was there are red wines and there are white wines and there are things in between. And that was it. But what's cool about this seven question quiz is that it helps match you with wines based off of taste of things that you do know about like snacks and coffee and tea and like what like normal things in your everyday life that you eat or drink all the time and by picking out those things it helps match you with wine it is awesome also right now it's important to stay healthy and stay at home when you can i have not left my home in weeks here in los angeles Bright Sellers allows you to skip the store while still bringing personalized wines right to your door. One thing that I really, really miss about, uh, you know, during the pre-pandemic days was going to uh, my local liquor store and like getting to talk to the people there and browsing the aisles and looking at things. You know, we can't do that anymore, but Bright Sellers can fill in that experience for you by looking at all your uh, your matches. Uh, they explain the wines to you in terms that you know would make sense to someone even if you don't like wine like smoky tastes like chocolate tastes like raspberries tastes like plums uh it's so awesome and each price seller's box offers a unique wine experience that includes wine education cards folks i'm so obsessed with these cards they're so cool that they talk about the region of each wine tasting notes serving temperatures food pairings many other things i did not know it's and it's so easy and simple it was like great this is a, a full red you need to put it in the fridge for this many minutes or put it in the freezer for this many minutes it's so awesome so after you try each wine you can go to your bright sellers account and rate it so and bright sellers will take those ratings and apply them to future matches so each box that you get continually gets better and better and closer and closer to the types of wines that you're going to love uh so for reading glasses listeners we're going to give you 50 percent off your first six bottle orders from bright sellers 50 percent off that is a huge percentage so go to brightsellers.com glasses bright sellers that's sellers as in like the seller of your house not like seller of a thing uh so that's c-e-l-l-a-r-s such so brightsellers.com backslash glasses and you can take the seven question quiz which is really quick and easy and get your wine matches and then you get 50 percent off your first six bottle order 50 percent off six bottles of wine incredible so that's brightsellers.com slash glasses glasses
I'm going first. It's me, Jackie Cation. Man, she's always this bossy. Uh, hi. <laughs> I'm Lori Kilmartin. Uh, we're a bunch of stand-up comics, and uh, we've been doing comedy like 60 years total, <laughs> both of us, but we look amazing. And, uh, out. We drop every Monday on Max Fun, and it's called The Jackie and Lori Show, and you could listen to it and learn about comedy and learn about anger management and all the things. And Jackie is married but childless, and I'm unmarried but childful. So together, we make <laughs> one complete woman. Is that just what that one's going to end? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we try to make Kyle laugh just like that and say, oh, my God, every episode. It's a good job. Jackie and Lori Show, Mondays, only on Maximum Fun. This week, wow, 2021 has already given 2020 a run for its money. I saw like uh, a meme and it was like, uh, uh, like 2021 leaves, 2020 leaves and goes and like puts on a fake mustache and comes back. She's like, no, I'm 2021. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, so we actually already got a bunch of requests last year to talk about hopeful books. So we figured this is a pretty good time to do it. Uh, we all probably need a little hope right now. Um, or, you know, an uplifting story or a comforting book. Um, also, I, I've been seeing a lot of conversations on the various reading glasses places on the internet. Um, and just want to say it is completely okay to not be able to get any reading done during a traumatic and scary time. Like, Oh, I don't know, you know, a domestic terrorist attack on America's capital. It's all right. If you can't work, if you can't read, if you are having a hard time doing literally anything right now, it is okay and understandable. So don't, if you're having a hard time reading and don't, don't push yourself. Like it's fine. I like the day, for all that week when those when that was happening, Jeremy and I watched CNN for like 12 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Same, same. Like literally me, it was just Jeremy and I and the cats just like sitting, watching, you know, trying not to completely lose my mind. Um, so it's Bria. It's funny that you love sci-fi and we both love horror. Both genres not particularly noted for their hopefulness or their comfort or their happy endings. Uh, is a happy ending important to you in a book? I mean, what's weird about a lot of genre, though, is that it does have a happy ending. They don't have happy middles. They don't have happy <laughs> beginnings. They don't have happy <laughs> inciting incidents. But the end is, at the very least, it's tied up in a bow. And I think that that's what I like. Um, is that I like there to be a ending. Like, I'm like, what is the ending? What is the thing we're going for? I prefer it. I mean, just like speaking in media terms, like I, media terms, I, I prefer um, uh, movies to have like an ending. With a book, you can leave it a little open-ended and I'll still be happy because I think it is a little bit more about the journey for me, but I do like an ending. Um, and a happy ending, I'm pretty happy. I, I do enjoy that. Very satisfying. Like, it will make me recommend the book a lot more, probably. What about you? Kind of. Um, it's definitely not in my wheelhouse, and it's not something I need to have. You know, I'm not seeking out books that make me want to walk into the ocean. Um, but you know I love a weird surreal book that might have an ending that is ambiguous or, like, a little sad. Um, weirdly, I think I per- I like having – I like nonfiction that has a happy ending because mm. it's, like, real life. And I like a nonfiction book that um, makes me, like, you know, like uh, I talked about – uh, why fish don't exist a bazillion times last year because it's ending out like made me feel so hopeful for the world and it was so uh happy and I, I really really like that but it, when it comes to fiction I don't I I, I don't know I, I I'm totally fine not having it um but speaking of what are some hopeful books that you love well, okay, so we have, I, I heard this term hope punk. Um, I think you and I talked about it. We've talked about it a little bit on the show, maybe, but um, so I was listening to Our Opinions Are Correct, um, which though they have both been on the show, and I was like, oh, they were talking about hope punk, and I was like, I like that. And basically, it's kind of the opposite of grimdark is how people have been describing it. It's the which idea- I fucking hate, by the you, way. You I grim- do not like it. I do not like a grimdark book. Anything, if, if something is labeled a grimdark fantasy, I will put it in a cannon and shoot it towards the sun. Because that's basically like when things are dark and they are not hopeful, right? That's the idea. They're just like. And they, yes. Yeah. They, they, they're dark. They stay dark. Everything is bad. Everyone is miserable. Everybody is suffering. And I'm just like, why am I reading this? Yeah. I, yeah. I, 
there was a book I started and quit reading last year that I think is what could be described as that. Straight into the sun. Yeah. Um, and I like that because this is sort of the opposite. It's like the idea or the spirit that we keep fighting no matter what. And I, I like that. And I think, I mean, I think I, it's, it's, I think, look, I think like when it comes to being hopeful, being hopeful is hard, right? Having optimism is difficult. And it's also really hard to say like, I like something versus I hate something. You know what I mean? It's hard to be like, I'm a fan. I like this. This is, I think the future could potentially be bright. It's very tough. It's very tough right now. Like, I mean, like I am a very optimistic person and it is very hard right now. Um, Anyway, that aside, literature, I say it's like, <laughs> it's basically like the Handmaid's Tale book, I think has like some hope punk in it. But I think the series does not. I think that it's till the very end of like the last season, I feel like it's a very hopeless show. Um, so those are like the way I define those two like different. It's funny because I've only read the Handmaid's Tale book. I have not watched the series. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I think the series came out like right around the time it started right around the time Trump was elected and I was like, cannot handle. No, it was, it's a lot. It's a lot to handle. And there was very little lightness to it. And um, whereas with the book, it ends in a way where you're like, oh, maybe things are going to be okay for these people who are living like a really dark moment. Anyway, so I want to say all of that to give shout out to Charlie Jane Anders because I think she writes some hope punk books. And um, I think All the Birds in the Sky is a really good example of this. Um, I loved that book. It has like a hopefulness to it that people are eventually going to do good and fight for the right reasons. And um, if you're looking for something that like is like, I think all my suggestions are science fiction. Uh, like is that like sort of science fiction, like into the world thing? And like, what are people going to do? Um, this is a really, a really good one. Um, what is your first pick for a hopeful book? Uh, well, I want to say that all my picks, none of them are particular, like comfort reads. I do mm-hmm. want to differentiate between a comfort read and a hopeful book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. If you want a comfort read, read some fucking romance novels. Yeah. That shit is designed to make you feel happy. Read, read <laughs> a magical food realism book. <laughs> Oh, that too. Read about some sourdough sourdough bread or people mm-hmm. falling in love, having some sexy sexy sex and living together happily ever after. Actually, I'm really excited because my friend Gwenda Bond has a new book coming out this year that is about a bookish girl who accidentally falls in love with a demon and they have to prevent the apocalypse. It's wow. called, oh my gosh, not, uh, not Like Other Guys, I think, or something That's like funny. that. Very excited to read that. That being said, so these are not com- not necessarily comforting books. So my first pick is Dig by A.S. King, uh, which was on my best of list a couple of years ago for our favorite books of the year. And this was one, one of my favorite books of 2019. Uh, so it's a weird fiction YA book that really left me with a feeling of like, wow, the kids are all right. There is hope for the world. Uh, it was about a bunch of teenagers in a small town and they're having a tough time in like their own way. Uh, and it, you eventually start to see how they're connected in these strange ways and how they're over overcoming things. Uh, I think it's a really great book to read when you want to think about how like, no, adults do not always know better uh, and how there are people out there that do care, you know, and it's one of the things that is hardest to reckon with in real life. And I think A.S. King does absolutely masterfully in this book is that weird feeling you get when you're a teenager and you realize, wow, maybe my parents don't actually know everything and they're not right about things. And I am right about things. Um, And this uh, this book really just nails that and left me with a feeling of like, oh, maybe the world is not going to end in flames. (laughs) Uh, Bria, what is your next pick? Okay, this one I I know I just talked about a few months ago, but I really, it really hit me hard. Um, It's The Book of M by Pang Shepard. It's so good. And it's apocalyptic. That's, again, all the hopeful books I can think (laughs) of. I'm like, what do people do in apocalypse? Hopefully be hopeful. Um, It has like, well, it also has a road trip, which I love. It has people searching for each other, which I love. Kind of, it's similar like to The Stand, but far more hopeful than something like that. Um, And the whole thing is about people trying to find each other and then rebuilding after this um, disease (laughs) sort of plague sort of thing affects the world where people lose their shadows and then they lose their memories. Um, It it is, I don't think this is very spoilery, but it, it ends with this big like, way that they're figuring out how to solve things for themselves and uh and the hope that they can find at the end and um yeah I just it just left me with a feeling of like it was like very rough going at first where I was like oh god pandemic book but um but it 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 left me with this feeling of like oh maybe we'll all be okay at the end and because these people can band band together uh and what is your next one 
bird bug alert. I feel like we need like bird a bird, sweet, bird sweet, noise. Sweet, sweet, sweet. <laughs> yeah, like a seagull noise to come in. <laughs> um, so my next pick is one of the books that I was like frantically reading in the last two weeks of December last year. I'm like my 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 uh, final run of 2020 books. Uh, it's Migrations by Charlotte McConaughey. Oh, yeah. Um, and I want it. So this book is fucking sad. Just want to say for, for most of the book, uh, most of it is sad as fuck. Uh, it's set in the near future, uh, which is it takes you a minute to realize that because it's it's so subtly near future that it you're like, wait a minute. It, it takes a few chapters to be like, oh, my God, what they're talking about is like several decades in the future. Um <laughs> Because uh, one of the big themes of the book is like there's a bunch of species around the world that have died, mm. that, are, that, are, that are gone. Um, it's about this woman and she's dealing with a bunch of personal tragedies. And what she is doing is following this la- the last flock of this particular species of bird. Um, because there are many, many species of birds, mammals, reptiles that have all died all over the world. Um, probably by, you know, a lot of it by climate change, some of it by um, over hunting or fishing um and she is so she's on this like really bonkers journey across the world to find to follow these birds and she's dealing with some heavy shit so like a lot of uh just a um trigger warnings for suicide and family death and like this is not a light book but the ending of it literally like the very very end is so hopeful that i was just like wow this is like what maybe the most hopeful book because it is so dark. Um, it's one of those books that makes you realize why people keep going and why there's a reason to keep going. Uh, also, again, definitely a book for bird lovers. There's a lot of <laughs> a lot of bird love in this book for so the b- bird book folks out there. Uh, th- we need to come up with a funny word for people who love bird books. Birders is that bird- isn't that what, what that's people like, who who that's uh, people who go bird watching or birders. Yeah, birders for all you birders out there. Yeah, it's like a bird a bird readers or something. It's a different thing. It's a different thing. Yeah, we have to think. Of, we'll have to workshop that. Um, what is your next pick? Oh my gosh, I almost I almost picked this one. Yeah, this felt like one um, that just feels really obvious, and a lot of people really loved this book last year. Um, it's the Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Um, the Glassers really love this one. I think I thought it really deserved a shout out. It's about a woman re-evalu- reevaluating her life in this sort of like post death. Um, like she thinks she wants to, she, she's like, oh, I wish I would have done this instead. I wish I would have done this instead. And it's basically like, am I on the right path? Which I think is something that people, I know I struggle with a lot. I know a lot of other people struggle a lot. Like, am I doing my best? Am I doing what I should be doing? And it causes a lot of us, I think, to feel a lot of anxiety. And this book kind of answers that question uh, in a in a hopeful way that like the answer is, I mean, I don't think I'm giving too much weight. Am I giving it away if I say the answer is you're exactly no. where you're supposed to be. Um, and yeah. it, it is sci-fi. It is um, uh, obviously because it's a person like making different decisions in a past life. Uh, but I think people, I think, I think people who are looking for something, um, I think there are a lot of people who are like looking for something that this book absolutely filled, if that makes sense. Yeah, this book is basically like the like it's a wonderful life, but the other way around. Yeah. Like instead of looking at a world where she isn't, she looks in all these different like worlds where there's a different version of her where she makes makes different choices, and there's all these like really cute little like um, Easter eggs. If you are, it's a wonderful life in which mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really, and and I, I don't think you're spoiling anything because so much of it is the path and like going. And it's funny to see because we would all do that same thing. She like at the beginning of the book is so short. She's like, well, I know what decision that really screwed me up. So mm-hmm. I'll go into the world where I didn't do this thing, and it is not what she expects. Right, right, exactly, exactly. And what's your last pick? My last pick is another book that I read last year that I really liked. I actually, I think I got this book on the free shelf at the at Maximum Fun HQ a mm. while ago. Um, love a free bookshelf. I love when we, whenever we get to go to Max Fun, which hasn't been in a really long time, yeah. but they do have a, a free bookshelf. And I always like, that's the first place I go. I'm like, oh, hi everyone. Hold on. I'm going to look at these free books. Um, it's Queenie by Candace Cardi Williams. Uh, I loved this book so much. Uh, I think I put it in one of our newsletters. I read it in one day. Uh, it is the absolutely hilarious and very brilliant story of this, this one woman, she's 20 something, uh, and she's in a complete 
downward spiral, just like in all aspects of her life, you know, relationship, family wise, career wise, friend wise, everything sucks for her. Um, but the hopeful part about it is her clawing herself out of it, just like bit by bit. And she really has to hit rock bottom first. Um, but it's just a great story of someone getting through a bunch of bullshit and really she gets herself together. Um, you know, when I read it last summer, it was really helpful to me to see someone struggling with just like basically every part of life and figuring out how to get through it. And like, it's a wonderful book where it's sort of, sort of like Midnight Library in, in the way where, you know, she, she comes to terms with the fact that like all these bad things happened, but her life didn't end. Like mm-hmm. she, she's still there and she still has options and she can still do things. And I think when uh, you get wrapped up in something bad happening or you get to where we are now, where like everything is just feels bad right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's still another day and there's still things to do and there's still options and there's still stuff to fight for. And this book, uh, it is literary fiction. It's not genre at all, but it is so wonderful, wonderful. And just like one of those books that you'll, inhale or at least I did and I loved it you know what's interesting about all these books that we're talking about is that they all involve struggle and they all involve like like the going through a hard time in order to get to a time where you're like oh I can be hopeful things could turn around and I think that's important to remember when we're looking for things that are hopeful um again not comfort reading but things that are like about the struggle that gets you to that point of hope because you have to go through the darkness sometimes I think well yeah I think some a comfort read is very often, at least for me, I mean, I do have like, uh, you know, I reread his dark materials every year, but I don't say, I wouldn't say it's a comfort read just because Mm -hmm. it always makes me cry my fucking eyes out. Um, I think a comfort read is like a a cozy book, you know, a book where there's like not very low stakes, you know, like maybe it's a mystery about who stole somebody's pie off the window. Uh, It's hard to have hope in a book like that because the, you, there's no hope to be had if everything's fine. Like you don't have anything to hope for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can send your thoughts to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com before we talk to reading glasses favorite, my author, Mike Chen. We're going to take a quick break. Hello there, ghouls and gals. It is I, April Wolf. I'm here to take you through the twisty, scary, heart-pounding world of genre cinema on the exhilarating program known as Switchblade Sisters. The concept is simple. I invite a female filmmaker on each week and we discuss their favorite genre film. Listen in closely to hear past guests like the Babadook director, Jennifer Kent, Winter's Bone director, Deborah Granick, and so many others every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Tune in if you dare. (laughs) It's actually a very thought-provoking show that deeply explores the craft and philosophy behind the filmmaking process while also examining film through the lens of the female gaze. So, like, you should listen. Switchblade Sisters. So here we are with his third Reading Glasses appearance, Reading Glasses favorite, author Mike Chen. Mike, what are you reading? I am in between books right now because I find it very, very hard to read during the pandemic. And part of it is like, because my daughter's always around and part of it is um, just like my brain is always fried. So I'm trying to really like dive back into audiobooks and like listen to them as much as I can. And like when I'm walking my dog or little pockets like that. So I finished Hench by Natalie Zena Walshots that way. Um, I think like two months ago or so, but so it's, it's not what is time right now. Exactly. I do read a lot to my daughter though. So like, I, I, if you look at my, I I could fill out Goodreads with like all of these kids books and picture books. You totally should. Those count. So so there's this really fantastic picture book called no fuzzball by Isabella Kuhn. And you would love this because it's about a cat named Fuzzball, but she thinks her name is No Fuzzball because she keeps getting into stuff and like her family keeps going, No Fuzzball. So uh, you would really appreciate it. Um, 
That's adorable. I, I do have like on my my nightstand like the physical copy of the Once and Future Witches by Alex Harrow, and like I kind of want my brain to be in like the right place to fully enjoy it because I know it's going to be amazing. So like that's that's like my reward read when when I feel like my brain has kind of like recalibrated to the world. I I did just read an, an advanced copy of Alex's novella A Spindle Splintered, um, which we'll probably be hearing about more in the summer because it's it's due in the fall, and this is like the uh, fairy tale like sleeping beauty meets into the spider verse it's <gasps> i know it sounds like bonkers it is bonkers but it's amazing and beautiful and really snarky and it's like alex harrow is like the best writer on the planet i i, I read her stuff and i'm like i'm so fucking jealous of how <laughs> like even wow. this like i was like highlighting sections and like sending it to my other writer friends and like look at what alex did this isn't fair <laughs> well speaking of amazing books can you tell us about your new book uh we could be heroes it is about a superhero and a supervillain who become friends um that, that's really like the heart of it i mean there's like bigger themes at play about like nature versus nurture and choosing who you want to be and they do go on a quest together to discover how they got their powers but ultimately it's about two very unlikely friends building trust with each other and it, it's it's a bit lighter than my other two books there's a lot of banter in it and for my fellow tv nerds out there i pitched it as Jessica Jones meets the X-Files, but with a bit of a Legends of Tomorrow, because that's a very snarky superhero show. So it's about a superhero and a supervillain who just decide, hey, you know what? Instead of fighting each other, we're better off as friends, and we're going to do something about this world. So good. Well, speaking of the world, which is a dumpster <laughs> fire. So, Mike, you we talk about you all the time on the show as someone who writes a lot about hope and friendship. How do you find the power to do that when everything is so bad <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question right now as i stare at my computer screen um I, I you know it's funny because i like my wife is like uh has noticed that I, i've stopped playing video games as much um and but i have been quite productive during the pandemic even with like you know virtual kindergarten and everything exhausting and i find that like part of it is i feel good when i write like my brain feels better. It's it's like some sort of therapy for me, like in addition to my, you know, my regular therapy. So it keeps me from doom scrolling on Twitter. Like it keeps my brain occupied in the right way. <clears throat> I, I think like for the theme of, of writing hope, like without hope, we're kind of fucked, you know? Like <laughs> so I think it's really important to keep that central to, to our stories. Like I think about, um, like I, my wife and I used to watch like The Walking Dead like every Sunday. It was like our big thing. We loved the show so much. And then it, there was a turning point where like the show felt like it, it wasn't about fighting for hope anymore. It was like they, they, the showrunners seemed to delight in taking away your hope and making everything like as bleak as fucking possible. And we just had to stop because like the world is fucking terrible as it is. So yeah, we don't need any more of that. Exactly. Yeah. So I think like it's very, very important for me to write about like hope and like finding hope through adversity and through like, you know, found family and things like that, because it's, it's just, it's natural to, to what I write. And I feel like without that, like I would be a much bigger asshole you know, <laughs> if I didn't have that. And so I can't write bleak. Um, and in friendship exactly specifically, I think it's really, really important and honestly like not talked about enough in our society because like, everything is so pressurized to like write about romance and shipping that like we're kind of conditioned to just look for that and, and expect that like almost to like this instinctive level. And I think like our society actually, like if, if we step back and look at it, like we lean on friendship and found family so much more than we want to acknowledge in our stories. So especially between two people who could theoretically date each other. So I really wanted to highlight that. Like I went into this knowing like, I want to write a friendship story. I want, I wanted to write Jamie, who is pansexual, um, and Zoe. Um, I wanted to write them, like, in this book to have, like, this internal moment of, like, where they both think, we are good like this. I think, I think there has to be more of that in, in, in our society. We completely agree. And that's part of the reason why both Bria and I love this book. But you in particular are amazing at using sci-fi to explore those themes of, like, hope and redemption. Do you think there's something about sci-fi 
the genre that lends itself to those kinds of stories? Um, I think like genre fiction allows you to heighten the stakes in ways that you can't with contemporary fiction. So like, let's take the, the theme of friendship from heroes. In a contemporary story, you would probably have like an odd couple that like they become friends because they fall into a business together or, you know, something like that. So, it, I mean, the, the heart of the story is about building trust through circumstance. But then like with superpowers, that trust becomes much more tenuous because it's like, how do you trust someone who, you know, could throw you into a building or, you know, erase your brain? So I, I think, like, <laughs> you know, to, to actually build those those steps towards trust, like it, you have to be a lot more cautious and you have to really, really feel like, yes, I can do that. So um, my books tend to be about themes and situations that you could, the, they could ground in the real world and they do like halfway, you know, like they're kind of one step in the real world, but then one step in a genre world because it's just way more fun and heightened when you have time travel and superheroes and stuff in it. And also the last time I was here, I was talking about writing a post-pandemic book with hope, and I meant it to be fiction, so sorry about fucking the world. <laughs> that was my bad. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, I was a... on a panel with, it was me and Chuck Wendig and Sarah Pinsker, and we were, the panel was like, what happens when you see your uh, pandemic fiction come to life? And so we, oh my gosh. we all talked about like the different elements of like what we were seeing coming to life that we wrote, and it was like, really funny but also really fucking terrible at the same time this is why you need to write your hockey team winning the stanley cup <laughs> i'm going to find a way to put that in there not not too far into the future yeah just to con just do the caps after the sharks please <laughs> <laughs> so we have to ask it is a superhero book or at least a superpower book mm -hmm. what superpower would you want if you somehow could choose so I've been like I've been thinking about this because I, I I've been obviously getting this question a lot um, with talking about we could be heroes, and like I'm like fifty one percent super speed and forty nine percent flight because like practically speaking, I have very little patience for the logistics of life, and I think you can appreciate this part like like cooking, like my wife <laughs> is a big foodie, and I'm like you know I will enjoy food, but like I. I would think that during the pandemic, you know, you learn to slow down and you learn to like appreciate the process of things. And I'm like, no, I fucking hate cooking. Like I was even just telling my wife the other day, I'm like, I know there's like chemistry involved and there's some artistry involved. And like, I don't give a fuck. I just want to eat. I, would, like, <laughs> I am so with you. Yeah. Like that's why the instant pot is good because it's like, dump it all <laughs> fucking in and press a button. So like, you want to be a human Instapot? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, so cooking and going to the post office and like cleaning the fucking bathroom, like super speed. Like if you were like the flash, you know, and, and like, let's say you can move, you know, 20 times faster than a normal human. Uh, and like, just think about like, if it would take an hour to normally clean your bathroom and your shower and stuff, then like you would be done in two minutes. Think about all of the time you would save, like, I could get to video games. I could get to my read. Oh, and you could read fast, too. That would be amazing. Oh, so Amazing. As I never thought about that as a superpower. Mike, you were a genius. <laughs> so as fun as it would be to, like, fly and stuff, think about, like, all the practical benefits of speed. So, like, I think I would go with super speed. Oh, that is the best answer to that question I've literally ever heard in my life. <laughs> So you've been on the show. This is your third time. You now are officially the most per the, the most guested author we've ever had on reading glasses. Badge next to my name now. <laughs> we're gonna have, we're gonna have to make you a little a trophy or a ribbon. Um, but I think we asked you this question before. But we actually we updated our own as as part of the 2021 reading year. Uh, what is your reader wheelhouse, and maybe how has it changed in the past year or two? So I think like most of it is still. I, I write what I like to read. So no matter the setup, the character has to be the most important thing to me. And I, I can bounce around like both science fiction subgenres and also like contemporary, as long as the characters really grip me, I just tend to prefer uh, sci-fi and definitely like sci-fi to fantasy. Like I don't read that much fantasy. I, I appreciate epic stuff 
as long as the characters are really grounded and unique and like i totally acknowledge that like there's a skill to world building in in like epics like space opera and epic fantasy that i can't do but for for my own enjoyment like that stuff often reads more like um an rpg manual than, than like, the story <laughs> to me but, okay so i will say in the past year like the one thing that's been introduced to me through some friends who are thriller writers uh I, I I've read some of their books just to you know support them, and then like when I'm reading them, I'm like wow, I can see why people like this. This pace is really fast, so I'm like starting to read a little bit more, um, uh, just hopefully like m- more of like the groundbreaking like feminist thrillers rather than like the Hell standard, yeah. like you know white dude solving a crime in like, <laughs> pretty hard-boiled like sad guy you know like <laughs> hard-boiled sad guy solves mystery of nameless woman being murdered exactly yeah less of that and and more fun uh feminist thriller stuff but like my friend wendy heard is a super badass uh so like i, I ask guest of the show yeah friend of the show wendy hurd so she is like my gateway into um into modern thrillers so like i i really appreciated the pacing that i've learned in there and well she's still able to like really infuse character into her story so like uh her and uh, my other friend elmar and then uh even like ya like my friend diana urban like sent me a copy of her book uh which i blurbed because i was really surprised at how much i'm like hey ya thriller this is really cool so um, I, I'm starting to get into that a little bit. That is awesome. It is ex- it's cool to see how people's wheelhouses sort of change and evolve depending on things that we get introduced to. Uh, so We Could Be Heroes is a book of the month book for January. We're very excited. Or for, is it for January or February? Actually, Must be February. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but where February it releases on January 26th. Yes. Uh, so besides that, where can we find it? Where can we find you online? Um, it should be um, all of your regular retailers, so please support your indie bookstores. Um, they, they should stock it, or they should at least have it in their system. Um, it's on ebook, so um, all of your favorite non-Amazon <laughs> <laughs> ebook uh, platforms. Um, and then the audiobook is narrated by Emily Wu Zeller, who is super badass. She did the audiobook for my previous book. Um, but she's also Dr. Afra in Star Wars, which is like just fucking amazing. Um, so cool. Yeah. So, so uh, all, everywhere, January 26th. Awesome, Mike. Thank you so much for coming on the show again. Mm-hmm. Oh, and also, like, if you want to hear me babble about more stuff, um, I'm on Twitter at Mike Chen Writer, and you have to not confuse me with the youtube food guy who's uh, who sounds like he's your mortal enemy <laughs> this is funny we we were starting to get messages like or we were getting tagged as like the ron mike chen so we messaged each other a bit and so like we're, we're kind of buddies now it's so <laughs> funny it's like alternate universe you where you yeah. love cooking i know so he's uh, he's got like three million followers and he's got like his own youtube channel and stuff like this and then like then there's me and there's also like a third mike chen who's a comic book artist but i guess he was mostly active like maybe 15 20 years ago so i I get tagged with his stuff on goodreads even though like that's that's not me illustrating neil gaiman comic books i wish that was (laughs) me Uh, but so yeah the other mike chen and i have discussed like we should be on a podcast together sometime (laughs) just just, like battle mike chen's if the if the other Mike Chen ever writes a cookbook, we will have both of you on reading classes. Oh and yeah, I should tell and him a Mike that. Chen off. Yes, please, <laughs> we will do that. <laughs> yeah, so you can follow me at Mike Chen Writer. The other Mike Chen is the food guy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Now it's time to answer a bookish question from one of our listeners. Eliza writes in. My husband's reading Romeo and or Juliet by Ryan North, which is a choose your own adventure style version of the Shakespeare play. He's trying to meet his Goodreads goal before the end of the year and didn't think he should mark it as read yet uh, because he's only finished a couple storylines and hasn't read the entire book. My question is, when can you say you've read a choose your own adventure style book? Do you have to actually read all the words in the book 
or have you completed it if you've come to the end of one storyline? This is the kind of like in the weeds reading minutia so that we funny. fucking live for. I laughed out I loud when I, when I read this. It's very funny. Also, but it's a good we, question. This is like, this is the hard hitting questions. We we're here, here, we're here for that. We're here to help you. Uh, but also so funny. The idea of like, did they not kill themselves at the end? Like, what can you do that's different? This is very interesting. You choose to not go for Juliet. You don't, you don't fall in love with her. I'm just curious about it. what this is. Um, all right. I think Mallory and I are in agreement here, but um, I yeah. think we think finishing a storyline as the whole book actually counts because I think that is the author and the book's intention. Um, it's not like you can read it from cover to cover. You can't do that. When I was a <laughs> kid, I loved to sh- choose your own adventure. Loved it. When I was a kid, I would read, like try to read it from cover to cover sometimes just see how they were structured because I tried to write one at one point when I was a child. But um you can't do it. And I think um, I think the intention is to read one story. Now, I think, like, you probably, to get your money's worth, should read a couple stories. But I think if you read it, <laughs> I don't know. It's so weird because, like, you know those Choosing Your Adventures where you, like, uh-oh, you chose the path to the right and now you're dead, like, one choice in? But I'm like, I guess yes. that's what it is. So I, I think you count it. I think one story is a count. Um, by the way, I just want to say... Like, there are full nonfiction books that I count as having been read the full thing, but I have definitely only skimmed the last few chapters. So I think, like, yeah, if you get the gist of the book, I think, like, you got it. Like, Romeo and Juliet, <laughs> what happens? <laughs> what is the, what is... Bria, you're going to have to read this book. I'm very curious now. Um, but I don't know. What do you think? Do you agree or disagree? I agree. I do love this question. I also love a choose your own adventure style book. Yeah. Um, I may or may not be working on something like that yeah, myself. It's true. Who who can say? Um, I, I totally agree. I think you can count it if you read one of the storylines. The point of the book is to tell you a story, and if a bo- you, and you and you read a book and it tells you that complete story, you read it. Um, I think most books like that are designed to give you a satisfactory experience from just reading one storyline. If it's not, if not, it's not a good choose your own adventure book. Um, so to me, that counts as read. I think what's good about choose your own adventure style books is that they have high rereadability. So then you can like put it on the shelf and then a couple months later be like, oh, that was really fun. I want to read it again and maybe make a different choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I totally agree. Count it as read. You don't. I, although I will say I was the kind of kid that do you remember those choose your own adventure goosebump style books by R.L. Stein? There was like a, a special subset of the goosebump type books. I'm going to have to ask my boyfriend because he wrote the goosebump comics, uh, knows a lot about goosebumps, uh, but he's in a meeting right now yeah, and I don't want to bust in with goosebumps questions while he's having an important <laughs> meeting. Um, but there was like a special and maybe maybe they had like holographic covers. There was like something special about them. They had mm. like a special name, um, but they were choose your own adventure style. And I always read them until I read. I, I wanted to know all the versions. I wanted yeah. to know. I wanted to make looked, sure that I got the best ending possible. Yeah, I would mark it with a piece of paper so I could always go back to the one before or I'd mark it two back. Like, because I'm like, well, if I made t- choices too bad. I mean, wow, this is literally like that Matt Haig book we were just talking about. But like if I made I the wrong choice two choices that. ago, uh, I want to make sure that like I, yeah, I, I definitely wanted to make the right choice. And I didn't like when I died horrifically. So I would always like go back and change. Oh, yeah. I hated when you died because that always was like a, an option in one of the R.L. Stein books. Like, oh, you get eaten by a mummy or you yeah. fall into a pit full of worms. And yeah. I was like, oh, damn it. Or the I worst is when like, you just go home. You go home, you go to sleep, you're done. And I'm like, oh, no, yeah. I <laughs> hated the adventure too early. <laughs> I think there's always a sense of wanting to like win a choose your own adventure book, like wanting to get to the best ending. Yeah. Yeah. Which was like there wasn't one really. And with Romeo and Juliet is the best ending the original intended Shakespearean ending? No, I would actually add... It, Romeo and Juliet is a story that always really bothered me because I'm just like... It's it's like when, uh, you know, and we see this a lot that people don't either hate or love in, in romance novels when, like, so many problems could be solved by, like, just one person having a conversation. Um, I was always like, man, this is bonkers. They could have couldn't have, like, waited one second. Right. You know, just waited a little bit. Mm-hmm. I So... I think maybe we should put this on our Amazon wish list. Oh, I, I'll i add it right now. I'll add this right put now. Put this and Aftershock's this. headphones on there. <laughs> okay. I am so intrigued. Um, so don't worry, Eliza. If you've read one of these storylines, you have read Romeo and or Juliet. 
So if you want to solve your reader problem or answer your bookish question, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy and Jessica who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, you can buy cool reading glasses stuff like tote bags, stickers, shirts in the Maximum Fun store. There's a link in the show notes. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It is great for us. We have over a thousand. We want 2000. It truly legitimately helps us. Advertisers look at that and they're like, wow look at this reading glasses show a lot of people listen to it new listeners look at that and go wow there's a lot of different book shows but this one has a lot of reviews i should check them out just it it takes you less than a minute and it is so so helpful for us uh you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com find us on twitter at reading g podcast uh bria has spruced up our instagram at reading glasses podcast there's a lot of fun stuff going on over there she's been sharing a lot of cool posts from other glassers uh stuff that people tag us in um we've been doing stories it's just there's a lot of fun things going on at reading glasses podcast on instagram and as always thank you for listening and thank you for reading reading